to the African Creators Podcast, a platform that seeks to empower and inspire creatives to follow their passion as well as bring about stories of triumph from the everyday challenging experience of being a young creative in Africa. For this episode, we're going to be talking about using photography to tell our own stories and discussing the African millennial story. Well, my name is Tabiso Valentine Dube, some call me Tabi K, and this is the African Creators Podcast. Welcome back to the African Creators Podcast. And today, my guest is one of the most talented photographers that I know. Ah, oh, look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> a final year student studying at the Namibia University of Science and Technology, a young creative who is molding his own narrative and changing the news as we know it today. He calls it the African millennial story. I'm talking about James Jamu, ladies and gentlemen. James, welcome to the podcast, man. Yo, with an introduction like that, what can I say? <laughs> Yeah, like man. Johnny Depp here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just I was just being honest and just stating facts. Okay, oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, but thanks for coming through, man. It's uh, it's always nice to have um, somebody over and talk about like the different experiences that we kind of uh, go through and try and share, you know, and give insight to all the other creatives that are coming through out there. No, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. But uh, let's get the boat rolling. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Yeah, well, just just start telling us about about yourself. You know, um, stuff that most people don't know about you. There's a lot. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people don't know that I actually studied journalism, or I am a journalist. Um, when people look at me, they see me in town. I'm holding a camera, doing something. Oh photographer guy <laughs> they don't even want to know like i could do other stuff <laughs> like guys i make film i yeah. do this but nobody really cares they just want to see that photographer dude in their head yeah so, i mean i mean technically speaking it's your photography that got you here uh, like i mean yes. on the podcast <laughs> not like here in life but <laughs> uh, but but again i mean i know i know you're very capable and yeah. and you're, you're versatile and always multitasking you know in between different yeah. traits um but uh, today we're mostly talking about photography, you know, because it's it's one of your uh, your crafts, you know, and it's it's quite interesting to be able to discuss about this, especially within the African context, you know, yeah. because I don't feel like there are enough conversations about s- some of these subjects. You oh, know? definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But then again, uh, you still haven't told us. <laughs> okay, so there's that. One other thing is. I can speak Shona, right? But I've never, like, grown up in Zimbabwe. I grew up in Malawi mostly, but I sort of picked it up from the conversations with my mom and dad, and when I would meet like Gogoangu, my grandma, mm. and then yeah, we just start having conversation. I mean, they would laugh, they would say, "Oh, this guy Shona is really bad," but <laughs> I ended up picking it up. Yeah, yeah. but it's uh, it's quite impressive for someone who actually has hardly been in Zimbabwe. Nah, I left Zimbabwe when I was three years old, <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I mean, dude, you're only twenty three. 
and it's pretty obvious that you are talented when it comes to photography because you know what you want you have a particular style that is very distinct from a lot of the photographers out there what led you to take up photography as your preferred tool of expression to be honest photography sort of came knocking on my door nice um and i don't mean this to sound obnoxious or anything but growing up especially in high school i was mostly fixated on visual arts mm. like painting drawing and abstract stuff and you know obviously you get serious your parents especially african parents not a lot of them are supportive right going through this artistic route you know 100% so i got focused did my schoolwork got into uni and i got into journalism so we had an introduction to photography class and i think after that i was completely hooked i was like this is my new muse i can still be an artist i but the only difference now is i can actually have an impact on how society sees the world right i've been in the industry But since 2017 and when it started out i think for me i really wanted to learn what the greats have been doing i'm talking about you know robert frank i'm talking about um lindsay adario this like contemporary photojournalist that i've been following for a while um apartheid photographers as well like david goldblatt nice and just seeing like what made this photograph captivating what was it about you know right henry um brasson for example right. that was a major inspiration because it's like street photography had a baby with <laughs> photojournalism <laughs> and you don't know what to call that yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I don't know. I just tried to think of a term, but I couldn't. <laughs> that's, that's Henry Cartier. <laughs> but but again, that that's what makes it unique, I, I suppose. And okay, I've noticed that a lot of your work is yeah. either monochrome, desaturated, or kind of has a sepia style. Why do you prefer this to full color photography? I think when I look at classic images, for example. There's something enigmatic about black and white. Something that you can go back to and have a completely different narrative after looking at it. It's timeless and it takes it back to basics like really what was going on. 100%. And I think for me when it comes to color profiles, sometimes I'll look at a photo and like, oh, I wasn't really happy with this color because it it sort of puts this mood that I wasn't mm. trying to get mm -hmm. but I think with black and white it just sort of puts you in a specific mood yeah and for me when I take a picture I want it to have a specific mood in mind right that's, that's how I operate behind the camera right yeah. you know I myself as a filmmaker yeah your photography kind of um always reminds me of how as filmmakers by greats we are always encouraged to to direct a story that can be told yeah. without any audio right so you turn off the audio your story still has to make sense it again like you said brings it back to the basics yeah. you know that makes that kind of really uh makes you really think about how 
you can get the story across and you having to put a picture in black and white i'm like oh okay i think it's more thought provoking compared to like a full color photograph you know and um i don't know i just feel i just feel like it's more uh inspiring more there's more for story to tell you know that you tell it but then it's kind of like you tell it halfway and then the audience kind of have to fill in the blanks of you course know? that's you beautiful. don't want to <laughs> be there completely i think the specificity that i am trying to put out is so that the message is so broad and it's not like i am literally trying to put my own narrative out there right but I'm showing you what I've seen. I've right. trained my eye to capture human essence right. that can evoke a specific emotion in you. Right. And those emotions can be completely broad. Right. But the idea is to get you thinking, what am I really seeing? What is my society? Um, yeah. And I remember recently, I posted a photograph of someone, two kids I saw in Gardutura. One was reading like a leftover newspaper that he found in the trash, and the other friend was just there trying to actually find food or something. And obviously, that's gonna get a backlash. You're gonna be like, "Oh, um, you know, it's sort of showing Africa in the Western microscope, but what exactly they want to see—poverty, mm. porn, or whatever mm, it is." Mm, mm. But I wrote something to go with that picture, and for me, I think it's very dangerous to completely overlook the fact that there is a problem in our socioeconomic landscape in Africa. Yeah. I mean, I do appreciate wholeheartedly the effort a lot of African creatives are taking into showing this beauty of Africa that has been excluded from the media for many years. But at the same time, when you are bombarded with these kind of messages, your brain be- begins to negate all these present realities that you're witnessing. Right. Right. And for change, we need to see this. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it ma- it makes a lot of sense, and I think um, your work also just brings in balance, you know, yeah. um, within the creative industry in, in itself. Because I mean, there's art that is meant for protest. Yeah. There's art that is meant to tell stories, and there's art that is just basically for pure entertainment you know yeah. at the end of the day it's all art you know but i feel like uh, it's important to maintain that balance you know it, it keeps the industry going you know we need to uh, look at how creatives can earn a lot of money because it's entertaining and it makes yeah. sense but we also need uh, thought provoking work you know so that it it provokes um emotion and 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 and, and thoughts from people so that they can start thinking differently 100% you know what i mean but this is interesting and it always it 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 brings me um to another question that i'm really curious about um why is it then important for us to tell our stories as africans through photography i read one interesting quote from a zimbabwean author I'm forgetting her name but um I don't think it's her quote exactly but I think she borrowed it from a Greek philosopher and it said until lions learn to write 
stories of hunting will always glorify the hunter. <laughs> and yes! <laughs> Repeat, Pulo! <laughs> Say that again, man. Until lions learn to write, stories of hunting will always glorify the hunter. Yeah. Okay, I think, I think, I think, yo. Okay, all right. You just go ahead, man. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so deep, man. Like every creator, every creative out there, you need you need to hear this. Okay, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Again. Yeah, one more time, one more like last time, I promise. <clears throat> Until lions learn to write, stories of hunting will always glorify the hunter. Right. Yes. And being in Africa where a lot of the news comes from an Afro-pessimistic lens, we need to encourage our youth to see, like, hey, we also have Africans telling our own stories. Like, 20 years from now, I want a kid to open up a textbook and look at political dissidents maybe in, you know, 2020s, and they'll see pictures of young Namibians from the LGBTQ community or... Um, a disgruntled youth that wants political change mm. and see these stories are coming from people who are experiencing the thing not just a stranger from France or someone right, who right. just said hey this is a good story that I can pitch for my stringer gig you see you now because the person is in the moment right and and I don't think that can be said enough man because I mean um, as, as filmmakers we believe that there's a revolution coming yeah you know and African we believe renaissance. you know <laughs> and 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 the revolution obviously will be televised but i think this is a really really integral aspect of the revolution itself you yeah. know the revolution cannot happen if we're not telling our own stories you know almost gotten to a point where they've exhausted any possible story that they could ever come up with you know yeah. within their context so what do they do they come here in africa they get like a couple of folk tales they just switch <laughs> them up a little bit and then they make a multi-million dollar movie Have you know outside of that <laughs> you know what i mean and 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 i'm always looking at this and i'm like it's high time that as African creatives, we start taking up our own stories, you know. We need to take ownership of our own stories. But it's a funny dilemma. You find the Africans trying to be more American, but the Americans are trying to be more African. <laughs> no, but but you see now that's 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 the problem, you know. We 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 can't we can't keep using the West as a benchmark for our own um, work. You know, it, like we have to come up with our own level of quality. You know, obviously, it's not like uh, we're not going to use microphones and cameras because they were yeah. made in in the West. But yeah. like, you know, the, the <laughs> stories themselves that we that we have to tell. Yeah. You know, they have to be original. They have to be authentic. You know, and um, this is this is the reason why I feel like conversations like these need to take place over oh, and definitely. over and over again until like it's um a gospel that every single african creative is conscious of you know uh but it's really interesting that you pointed that out man because it's i feel like i feel i'm with you 100 percent, 110 percent, no 200 <laughs> percent. you know because i was really impressed at um i don't know if you've watched this movie atlantics 
no. by Marty Diop. She's a Senegalese French lady. Right. And it's on Netflix if you you know you want to check yeah, it no, out. Yeah, no, I'll definitely check it out. And, like I always become yeah. embarrassed like when you tell me about an African movie that is, <laughs> <laughs> that is so famous that I don't know, I don't know about it because I make it a point to like really try and watch as many quality African movies as possible. It was really good. It was uh, premiered at the Cannes, you know, film festival. And what I liked about it was it's like she created her own genre within it. It's like supernatural romance filled with like migration stories history you know it tells you about you know muslim culture in senegal like organized marriage and how workers were trying to get on boats trying to go to france or italy or something to find better work right but there was still some motive of mysticism within the story mm. where like the people who died on ship ended up in the bodies of these women and at night would just like wander around trying to get yeah okay it's I, it's it's impressive it's I, weird it's going to be creepy but I'm going to watch that tonight <laughs> I'm going to watch it tonight it was impressive you know like there's so many um especially in a lot of francophonie uh, african countries yeah. The cinema is like on another level. <laughs> Morocco yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, uh, Burkina Faso as well. Yeah. You know, I know those countries have played a really integral uh, part in in um, kind of promoting cinema on on yeah. the continent. Yeah, man. Like we have to tell our own stories, man. Um, for sure, for sure. But slowly, slowly, I think it's happening because I mean, I've realized that more and more. Um, productions more and more originally african productions are um, going on netflix you know yeah uh it's a start um but i just i just hope like more and more of that is coming you know oh, sure. and we have to push with the united front in order to 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 make that happen man yeah but we should be careful with clichés i remember watching uh, the boy who i nest the wind and so did a lot of people mm. yeah people come up to you like oh So is that how you guys live in Malawi? <laughs> like mind you, this was over 20 years ago. This yeah, was in a remote village. Mm, that's the thing. <laughs> it's it's I mean it's it's crazy, but I mean it's it's nice that you get to tell such stories at the same time. It's sad that a lot of people get misconceptions, you know. But that was a story of courage and a story of uh, like crazy innovation, man. Shows you that that how um a person like in the most remote african village can just come up with the most crazy idea and just make it work you know and um yeah with very limited resources i'm a big believer in the idea of egalitarianism and you know meritocracy like you work hard you're innovative you have to step up the ladder right and i don't want to go political or anything but in Africa in a lot of central african countries you find that people work hard they get good grades but some of them don't even go to university they don't have the chance to explore their creativity so a lot of these kids end up in that space like hey i got good grades but that life was not meant for me because mm. i am not so and so yeah. my parents don't have this they don't own a car right But then again I think it's the same for a lot of um for a lot of African countries because yeah. I mean we were we're all born and 
um, different classes of society, you know. Yeah. And social class is still a thing, oh, big thing. <laughs> especially in Africa. Uh, so, especially um, ex-British countries. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. so so it, it's still real. But I think we still have to tell stories, yeah. you know, in order to change perceptions when it comes to those kind of things, you know. Most definitely. So we have to provoke thoughts in order to ignite change. Yeah. yeah. That's me. How about me? How about that for sounding deep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But James, uh, moving back to um, to photography, you know, yeah. and I bet like a lot of photographers would be listening um, and be curious at the same time, you know, wanting to find out how best some of the challenges that they face can be addressed, you yeah. know, within the context that they're in uh, and what do you think then is the biggest challenge that african young african creative f- uh, photographers are facing and and how do you then suggest it should be dealt with or they should deal with it i mean obviously when you start in the beginning there's going to be a lot of mimicking in any field you're going to see this oh i want to try doing that but i think it's very important especially as a photographer, to find a story that you like. Um, And I think it's rare that we see photographers actually go find that story they want to tell. A lot of the time, photographers are so immersed in the commercial world or in other ways, also searching for clout. Like, oh, I'm going to take pictures of this like really famous model and it's gonna pop up on Instagram and everyone's gonna love it, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, those pictures are nice. It's gonna look cool if she looks sexy or whatever. But those kind of photos people forget about in two days. Yeah, ain't that a fact? Yeah, so I think when you find that story that you're really involved in, you can really resonate with, and you monitor that story, don't just go clicking the first time. Spend about a month even talking to these people just living that life and not trying to be the voyeur all the time and just really immersing yourself in that culture Mm. and then you start taking those pictures because you see it from an entirely different lens when you're a part of it right and i think that's one thing a lot of europeans have missed and that's one thing a lot of african youth can literally get by the balls right <laughs> all right no but i mean it, it it makes a lot of sense um especially when you look at it from that from that perspective yeah. you know because a lot of young african photographers are looking at glamour photography and wedding photography yeah. you know it's nice it, online it, it's it, good i totally agree you sometimes you need to pay the rent you know for sure but if we're looking at the long term you know uh, if you really want to become known for your work if you want to have a completely distinct style you have to look for something original something that's any you, art form you know yeah. and and i think that is i think that is what separates you from the rest of the pack if you have something to offer that hasn't been offered already yeah. i think one last thing as well that i struggled with for i think greater part my beginning was the idea of gear and i was surrounded by so many gearheads like oh, 
so you're gonna take that photo just using that and you know they'll make you feel insecure like oh i've got this huge ass lens that costs like twice as much as the camera that i'm using right now and yeah but when it came down to actually taking the photos it was a completely different story i remember in 2018 i went to a refugee camp in malawi it's called zaleka refugee camp Mm. there was this festival that's called tumaini festival so the basic idea of that uh, festival is to sort of harmonize the local community and the refugees through art, music, theater. Nice. And it's a pretty big thing that happens every year in Malawi. Okay. And for me, I think I went around just walking, talking to people, the refugees, going inside, you know, the, the, the where they, itself, yeah, yeah. the camp and where they live, the houses. And I started to unveil things that a lot of people didn't know. Like within the refugee camp, there's already class systems. Mm. The newer refugees live in like slum-like places. And then as you go up, you find the hierarchy increasing. Like, oh, these guys have been here. They have businesses in the refugee camps and they trade around the city, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I would see kids in their, you know, happy places or when they're listening to music at the festival and I would take those shots. Right. So right. it's about capturing the essence of these moments as opposed to hey i've got a good camera it's gonna look good but okay despite it being all flashy and the picture quality is nice but are you going to invoke a feeling right from that right 100 percent. i i I couldn't agree more because um with film it's it's the same yeah most of the people in the film industry they obsess over the gear (laughs) I promise you yeah. 100%. Like the film industry itself, people yeah. are having more conversations about gear than the actual stories. Story. You know, this in turn gives um, newbies or rookies or people who are passionate about film and they actually want to start like being actively involved in the film industry, yeah. you know, the wrong impression about like what filmmaking is. Filmmaking is telling story using, you know, all these different tools, but that's what they are, they're tools. Yeah. And you shouldn't put like any emphasis on the actual tool that you're using. Yeah, yeah, for you know, sure. There's, there's a time where that is relevant, yeah. you know, but especially when you're starting out, I don't think it's relevant at all. I think you can just start with your phone. That's good enough. And you can just build it up from there. I think for me, what's most important in filmmaking is teamwork. Yeah. Where you can designate tasks. And this is something I'm pretty sure you know. Yeah. It's not everyone can be the cinematographer. Yeah. Not everyone can do gaffer. Not not everyone's that person. I, I always say that filmmaking is a is a collaborative art form where where people have to collaborate in order to really like. I get it. The- theoretically, it's possible for you to film, to write, to act in your own oh, film, yeah. and all these things, you know. But if you want like a really quality uh, program that is engaging, you need to engage others. Unless you're Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Unless you're Charlie Chaplin. Well, obviously, <laughs> you see. But um, but yeah, that's it, man. Um, it- it's been an- a really interesting conversation, you know. Oh, and and I think me. I think it'll be nice to have like a follow-up conversation about this because I think it's a really broad topic, you know, but I think for now we've done justice or at least you have done justice to it. And, um, 
before we close down is there any other experience that you would like to share with all the other young creatives out there you know so that they can have like some insights uh, with regards um, to photography i think what's important about photography which a lot of people aren't taught read the books right. susan sontag for example is great to start off with um read the classic photo books people like henry carty besson like i mentioned uh robert franks americans just to see the techniques is used um those are pretty good japanese photographers as well um yeah so read the books see the see the photos look at the composition and mind you these guys were not using fancy dslrs at the time but they still took took pictures we can talk about of a hundred years later right yeah and um this is this is quite interesting because um it's getting back to basics again always is (laughs) (laughs) and and you know you know in filmmaking uh I don't know for most people who go to uh film school yeah they're formally trained how to make films and what not you know and I w- I wasn't like formally trained to make films you know I had to learn that for myself but then I had to le- I had to read a lot of books I had to read a lot of articles I, I had to yeah. la- uh, watch a lot of old movies you know the movies that Alfred I actually Hitchcock you know Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> you know and and um Orson Welles yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and I had to watch those movies in order to learn, right, the techniques that I talked about when it comes to filmmaking. So for you to be your own filmmaker, you at least at least at the very least have to learn the rules if you want to break them. Wait, I have to ask you. Is But it true Steven Spielberg's the first guy to use the dolly technique in filming? Cuz I heard he used it in Jaws. <laughs> well, well, technically speaking, Jaws was a uh, was groundbreaking in many yeah. aspects. It was it was the one movie that actually brought up the whole blockbuster culture. Yeah, you know, and 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 uh, the movie itself, <laughs> there were so many groundbreaking elements to it. You yeah. know, even like from from the, the the shock itself i mean spielberg man is a, is a legend right? even though he's not he, he's, he's not my favorite filmmaker yeah. pretty amazing how he does it but um i think my favorite director hmm i don't know man it's a bit tricky i like uh steve mcqueen okay um yeah. i also like david fincher um he's he's like one of my yeah. favorite directors of all time but i think one of my favorite is um francis ford coppola godfather godfather <laughs> yeah man that is the godfather part 1 uh, is my favorite movie of all time really but i also like martin scorsese man because whoo, yeah. gangsters for life man no i'm not gangsters a gangster i'm not a gangster <laughs> but but i like gangster movies i think they 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 have a lot of stories you know yeah. like behind them like if you look at so the metaphors and and, <laughs> and 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 um the subtext as well yeah. you know they're really amazing um so i like good fella i like taxi i like scarface like all the movies that he did um but yeah Yeah man I'm obsessed. <laughs> I I I live and breathe film and that's what I do. But I also like design. So yeah, big vibe. <laughs> always like 
torn between the two, you know. So yeah, uh, ah, it's been amazing, man. It's been an amazing um, time, you know, having a conversation with you about these things, you know. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to having you back on the show again in the future and then we can uh, just talk about these subjects that make people uncomfortable <laughs> well I'll be glad <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah man th- thank you very much for coming through um, yeah uh, till next time you know this is your host Tabiso Valentine Dube aka Tabit Kate for now I'm out Thank you for tuning into the African Creators Podcast. We'll check you out on the flip side.